0: We are in the Gospel of Luke this morning, chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. So he went in to stay with them. Then he was at the table with them. He took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has indeed risen and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So here we are again, still talking about what's happening on the day of Christ's resurrection. We moved a week past it last Sunday, but now we're headed back to that same day that Mary and the other Mary found an empty tomb, got a message from an angel, and saw Jesus himself alive and well before running with joy to tell the other disciples. We were reading from John's gospel last week, and now we are in Luke's account. John wrote extensively about the appearance of Jesus to the disciples in the locked room in Jerusalem on the same day the tomb was found empty, and then wrote about Thomas seeing him a week later in the same locked room. Luke, however, wants us to hear about the two pilgrims, or disciples, on the way to Emmaus. He writes a full account of what happened, who was there, what was said, and every little movement or discussion. I had to laugh, though, when I was checking out this story in the other Gospels. Luke is the only one who writes such detail. The only other allusion to this story appears in Mark, but it's short, sweet, and to the point. Reading in Mark sixteen twelve to 13. After this, Jesus appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. That's it for this story. And there's all that doubt again. We could literally preach the same sermon as last week for this one, but we're going to talk about something else. We're going to answer the questions. Why were they going to Emmaus? Why couldn't they see Jesus for who he was? And how can we use their story to understand our own faith journeys better? Well, let's first address one question that we should be asking. Why are they on this road? Where are they going and why? If they are indeed some of Christ's closest followers, why didn't they hang out with the disciples locked in the room? Even if, like the other disciples, they believed Jesus was still dead, then they should have been in mourning with the rest of them. The scripture makes it seem natural that they should be on this road and it seems like they're headed for home one of their homes anyway, but it could be a hotel or inn they are stopping in before they continue on the next day. We don't know. It seems odd to me, but then again, it could be perfectly normal for someone who has just experienced significant trauma. We might call it a form of PTSD, but in truth, they've just witnessed the horrible, torturous death of a man they loved and worshiped. We have this normal response mechanism built into our DNA called fight or flight, so maybe this is them flying away from the terrible things they just experienced. Maybe they just want to feel safe, and safe for them is home. For me, it doesn't have to be trauma. I can feel the need to get away, to have a change of scenery, not as an escape per se, but to go where I can get free of the distractions of the world and just Spend time with God. Now, most of you know that place for me is the beach. Changing my scenery, going to someplace familiar with no drama or distress can be quite rejuvenating and refreshing to my soul. What do you do? Where do you go when you need to get away from things? Where do you feel safe? Is it home? Is it walking outside? Going out on a Friday night with friends? Holding the hand of the one you love? Do we see those places and people as an escape from our troubled world or just a place we feel safe, like we belong and are loved? For these two pilgrims walking to Emmaus that day, I do believe they are going somewhere to escape all the terrible things they witnessed, a normal PTSD sort of response, to get away from the pain the hopelessness, and tried to find some stable ground to stand on, something familiar and safe, like home. And what's one of the healthiest ways to deal with this sort of trauma? Talk about it with a close friend or a professional counselor. Well, I don't know if they had professional counselors then, but they did have each other. And talking it out was what they did while they were walking. That's what God gives us friends for. Remember that if we experience trauma or distress in our lives, we are able to overcome the negative effects of those experiences when we talk about it and not just ignore it or pretend it hasn't happened. God knows this, and we can believe that because Jesus, our friend, comes to walk with them. Now i'm not sure why they don't recognize him scripture says they were prevented from recognizing them and it sounds like god did that on purpose for reasons we don't know however i want to propose it is equally plausible to think that their own thought processes the trauma they had experienced could have been the reason when we're experiencing a traumatic event in our lives we tend to think and do things that protect us from further harm, and that causes us to turn our gaze inward, to circle the wagon, so to speak. We focus on the pain, the problem, and try to find ways to survive it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I face issues that challenge me or my mental or physical health, they become the priority, and I find it difficult to be engaged with helping other people or seeing beyond my own problems. That's one reason people say that in order to talk about faith to someone, we have to take care of their basic needs first. Because we don't have the capacity to think about our eternal salvation if we're starving or worrying about where we'll sleep tonight. When we listen to their conversation with Jesus, at the moment a stranger to them, we hear words of depression and sorrow, pain and uncertainty. We believed he was a mighty prophet. We put our faith in him, thought he would do great things, but they killed him. Our own people took this innocent man and tortured him to death. We had hoped he was the one who would save us. But now, without him, hope is dead. And we know they've lost all hope at this point because they know that Jesus said he would rise on the third day. And although all the evidence is there for the resurrection, the women reported that he is not in the tomb, we can hear in their conversation they don't believe it. They don't even have enough hope to believe it's possible that Jesus is alive. I believe that if there was even a spark of hope, They would have recognized Jesus when they first saw him. But their depression, their loss of hope, kept them blind to recognizing him. And you can say, I'm speculating, but isn't that our experience at times too? When life isn't going well, like a terrible medical diagnosis or a painful divorce, the loss of a job, the death of a loved one under tragic circumstances or abuse of some kind. We turn our gaze inward, out of sheer survival, and while we do that, we try to block it out and act like nothing's wrong, or sometimes we have all that doubt and lose hope that either God cares or is really there. We see a bleak outcome and lose sight of the possibility that we'll get through it, that life will be beautiful again. We can lose hope when we focus on our problems and bad experiences, which can cause us to let go of our faith in God. Stop seeing him. We can forget that God is who he says he is, that God loves us and knows the plans he has for us. It can be hard to see God, hard to see what good is going on around us as our depression or trauma can blind us to the reality of God's love for us. How we respond to our faith during those times is paramount to what happens in our relationship with God and our hope for the future. Now let's see what Jesus is doing here as he walks along with these two. Well, first, he comes to them to walk with them through their trauma. If we can remember that whether or not we see or feel his presence, that he walks with us, then we've already won half the battle with our depression or fear from whatever it is we're dealing with. Then he listens to them, lets them talk it out. He never interrupts or corrects them while they're talking, but hears them out completely. This is what prayer is all about. Prayer is when we talk to God and God lets us tell him what we're feeling, what is happening in our hearts and what we're afraid of. But prayer is also the way we confirm, make a statement that we know who God is And that God is with us. In Jeremiah 29, we hear Jeremiah telling the Israelites who are in exile, a very traumatic event for them, that God hasn't left them alone either. No matter what it looks like. He says, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. God listens to us, walks with us. And if we can just believe he holds the future, a good and beautiful future in his hands for us, then maybe we can keep the flame of hope from going out in our hearts. One of the best communication tools we can learn is how to reflect back to someone what they have told us so they know we understand what they're saying. It's called reflective listening. And Jesus uses that technique here. He repeats everything they said to him so they know he was listening. But he takes it all and turns it from doom and gloom to its original intention, the hope of the world. Now, we've all been there. We see an event as the end of the world as we know it. Think about it. How many people have told me in the last five years, especially when the pandemic happened, that the literal end of the world was happening any day now? They look at all the terrible things going on, and I agree they are terrible. And all they can see is this must be the end, that we are going to blow up the world ourselves or kill each other trying. Or maybe they just want God to come down and spank everyone to get them to behave. And bringing that new world we all hope for. I don't know. But just witnessing these things is traumatic. It's easy to lose all hope that we will ever treat one another well again. That we could turn around the global destruction looming over us. Or that love will once again rule the earth. We can lose faith that God will, wants to, or can intervene. It can be depressing. And isn't that what those two were thinking as they walked that road so long ago? This was the end of it all. But Jesus is the word of God made flesh. And even for us, we have his words to help us understand. That what looks bleak and hopeless will never be the end of the story. Everything they believed, they saw as a negative. And Jesus reminds them through the scriptures that God intended it for good. Jesus had to die in order for the world to be saved. He had to rise again to give us new life. And God had planned it from the beginning. What God has planned, we cannot possibly understand. But we can have faith that God has a glorious plan for our future, even though we will go through hard, traumatic times in our lives, and it will be difficult at times to see anything good at all. If we stay connected to Christ through prayer and allow Him to speak to us through His words, our scriptures, we will be able to see the risen Christ alive and well, acting for our good, even in the darkest valleys of our life. But I have to point out that there came a time in this journey when Jesus gave them a choice. They could ask him to stay with them or they could let him go on his way. Once they made the choice to listen to Jesus, to hear his words of hope, They chose hope over pain and fear. They asked him to stay with them, to share a meal with them. As they made the choice of faith over fear, the choice to have Christ walk with them, their eyes were opened, their hearts strangely warmed, their depression became hope, and it was faith that caused them to be able to recognize the risen Christ. As we remain faithful come to worship, read and study his word, share in communion, and share the good news, we will find we have eyes to see Christ working in the world. We won't be so distressed when we encounter those traumatic events in our lives and in the world because we will know that nothing can separate us from the love of God that we have been given in Jesus Christ. Jesus says to these disciples on more than one occasion as he reveals himself to them on this resurrection day, peace be with you. When we make the decision to walk with Jesus, to let his love infuse us with hope and strength, we will not be afraid, even if it seems the world will end as we know it. Because we will know without a doubt that God has plans for our future. A beautiful future with hope for each and every one of us that chooses to walk with Jesus. So choose faith over fear. Choose to walk with Jesus even when everything seems to be going wrong. He is right there beside us every step of the way and will never let us go. Have hope that he is who he says he is surrender our doubts and fears to his love for us walk with him talk with him tell him what's going on in your heart let faith be your guide as you journey through life when trouble comes instead of ignoring it or running away from it run to jesus pray listen to his words of peace and promise then choose to walk with him through it all Walking with Jesus will be the best decision you've ever made. Let the peace of Christ be with us all. Amen.